I'm going to start this morning, if my PowerPoint can come up, and I've got to press the right button on here. It's always a good test. Um, I want to focus something on something this morning that pleases God. There are many things that please God, but I want to focus just on one thing for the moment, and that is faith. Faith is something that pleases God. And there are many descriptions you can use uh, for what, what faith is, but I quite like this one I came across, an unwavering trust in God. An unwavering trust in God. So this morning I want us to have a look at um, how, how our faith pleases God, how we grow in that faith, because we want as a people to be pleasing God more. We want to have more faith and we, we, we please God more. And then I'm going to use uh, Abraham just at the end there as an example of how we please God. So I want to just start in prayer, just allow us invite God's Spirit to be with us. Jesus, we thank you that we, this morning, have had the pleasure and the privilege of being able to worship you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will settle with us now. You will speak into our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our very souls, for the words that you have for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus' attitude to, to, to faith is wonderfully captured in this uh, scripture in Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Have you ever considered how weird it is that we come here on a Sunday morning? And how, if it wasn't with faith, if it wasn't this um, unwavering trust in God, the fact that 200-odd people all gather together in a tin shed by the A1, um, shout aloud, and then sit still for, for 30 minutes to hear a sermon, and then you allow yourselves to be told what to do. If I said, stand up, you'd all stand up. If I said, close your eyes, You'd all close your eyes and hold your hand. You'd all hold your hand. How weird would that be if just a group of 200 odd people would randomly do that? But you come every week to do that. But you come with faith. You, you come believing that there is a God who exists, believing there is a God who loves you, Believing there's a God who wants a relationship with you. And it's that example of a life that draws others to Jesus as well. When they hear, when they see that relationship that we can have with God, it makes them inquire, well, can I have that too? Yes, you can. If you've come here this morning with a friend Perhaps of, or perhaps with a family member, perhaps you've come out for Father's Day. You can have that relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus was on earth, he was moved into action by someone's faith in God. It, it seems to be a, a catalyst 
for Jesus to interact with people and see the kingdom come into action in that place. I've just got a couple of examples from Matthew 15. It's the faith of the Canaanite woman that Jesus sees. The Canaanite woman is someone outside of Jesus' own people. She had a daughter that was suffering and she came and knelt before him asking for help. She doesn't say whether she'd been seeking help from the Canaanite gods, but I guess she probably had. But she was willing to come and eat the crumbs from the table of God, of the God of the Israelites. When that happens, Jesus says to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that moment. Jesus spotted that faith. It was a catalyst to him and moved in compassion. Similarly, in Mark 5, second example, we have a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She pressed into Jesus. She took hold of his robe as he went past as part of a crowd. And Jesus sensed power leaving him. Now, that must be amazing, mustn't it? If you imagine you walk along, you could sense something had happened spiritually as you're going along. That happened there. And he, said to, he says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So faith is important. Faith is something that pleases God. Faith is something that catalyzes God into action. And we want to please God. And I'm sure that we all feel sometimes we sense our own faith level. And if you're like me, you're probably grateful that there isn't a big number over your head that is communicating to everyone else around you, like like a computer game, communicating to those people around you what level of faith you're currently operating in. Are we pleased we don't have that? It wouldn't be the most encouraging thing. But reflecting on this this week, I was thinking, actually, my faith level is always 10. It's just what it's measured out of that keeps changing. Sometimes it's 10 out of 100. Sometimes 10 out of 20. Very occasionally, it might be 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> but we, 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 we sense that ourselves, don't we? We kind of almost judge ourselves where our faith level is. And we feel it's all to do with us. And we can be disheartened sometimes if we feel, oh, I just don't feel I've got that faith. I don't feel I've got that level to press into something. But listen, friends, here is the good news. It's not about you. It's not about you working up a faith level. The final responsibility for the kingdom of God to come, that's God's reign and rule, doesn't rest with us. We don't carry that responsibility. We don't carry the 
power to set people free from their sins. We don't carry the power to see sicknesses go. We don't have the power to see lives transformed. God does. God carries that responsibility. It doesn't rest just with us. God has that. And in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see these things happen. We need to trust in God that he is wanting to work through us. We get a free ride and we get to see, we get to allow God to do the heavy lifting. And we can walk alongside and marvel at what he does. Just this last week we heard some testimonies of healing. Even during this week after hearing some testimonies of healing following Mark DuPont. And some of us were involved in the praying of that. But it wasn't us that did the healing. God does the heavy lifting and we can just marvel at what God has done in that instance. And it's beautiful to see. Over the Easter holidays, we were on, in, on holiday in Scotland. And I don't know why, but in Scotland there are some very large potholes. And we began to notice lots and lots of them. Apart from one, which I didn't notice, and I went over at speed. I am very pleased we managed to get out of that pothole in the car. It was huge, the size of a valley in Scotland. We hit this pothole at speed and as I then drove into the car park, I was thinking, the steering feels a bit funny here. Mm, I think I've got a puncture. So we parked up, you jump out, look at the wheel, it split the side of the wheel, it damaged the rim as well on the, on the, on the wheel. I thought, it's fine, I've got a spare tyre. Because you know these injection things, the gluey stuff, that would never fix a, a, a tyre like that. But I, I actually carry a spare tyre. So I was just with Shauna. Um, got the car ready, got everything, went for coffee first in the car, went back, got the car, stuff out. Right. Where's the jack? And I, I, I knew I had a jack. Well, I, I knew, I knew I had a big jack that was in the garage at home. I knew that. But I thought the car had a much smaller jack inside of it. It doesn't. So, uh, <laughs> had to ask around. So we ended up borrowing a jack off um, someone in the car park there and managed to jack it up and sort the problem out. That is like working with God. He takes the weight. I, I could not, even if I got all the people in the car park to lift up this car, I could not have done that with those people. I, this jack is designed to do that. It can take the weight. All I have to do is organise it. And it's the same with God. He does the heavy lifting. He takes the weight of us as we walk with him. And he, we just have the pleasure, the privilege of walking alongside him and going, wow, amazing. Look at what you did then. Look what happened here. And we can, we can see God moving in power. But unlike my forgotten Jack, God has also promised never to leave us nor forsake us. 
He will always be with us. But we still have doubts, don't we? We still wrestle with things. And I love this little prayer uttered by the father of the child that was deaf and dumb, that was brought to Jesus. And he says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What a beautiful prayer to have. As we wrestle with faith. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And to press more into the things of God. Faith is not talking to yourself in a positive way. You don't get more faith by adding the word really to what you believe in. So it's not, I really, 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 really believe that. That's not how we get faith. You don't get faith by really closing your eyes up, scrunching your eyes and shouting more or being eager in that, in that kind of thing. You can't conjure up faith by that. And there's a real danger, I think, sometimes. We can fall into a trap of judging our faith level and having faith in faith. Not faith in Jesus. And we need to be careful where we are wanting to see that faith develop. Is is our faith in our faith? Or is our faith in Jesus? Our lover of our souls, the one who's gone to the cross, we mentioned this morning, gone to the cross for us, has made a way for us. Our faith is in Jesus. It's not in faith. It's not in how we feel, not the faith that we have. It's so much about having that relationship with him that we get to know his character. He has promised to be faithful to his word. He has promised to walk through life with us. He has promised to share the unforced rhythms of grace. As the message version so beautifully phrases uh, Matthew 11. He's going to walk with us through the unforced rhythms of grace. Faith begins with getting to know God and his character. Getting to know the promises that he is making towards us. Now if someone makes us a promise, we would naturally assess how trustworthy that promise actually is. So if I say to you, I'm going to give you a million pounds, you might think, I'm not sure Ian's good for a million pounds. And you'd be correct, even though I do have a spare tyre. But if Elon Musk walks in, and I check this out, Elon Musk, currently the richest man in the world, with a net worth of £180 billion. That's British pounds. And if he says, I will give you a million, you might have a bit more faith in that kind of promise. But you might also want to know, actually, is that something that Elon Musk might do is that, and I don't know, is that something in his character 
He might give away a million pounds to someone just kind of randomly, if you like. We need to, when someone makes a promise, it's the, the character we assess. Is that within their nature? Is that what they do? And as we get to know God more, which is wonderfully a lifelong process, we find a God who is faithful to his word and his people. We find a God who's able to predict the future and it come about, unlike the dumb idols. We find a God who has unlimited resources and is one who cares about you. One who is able to number the hairs on your head. That's how much he cares for you. And that's the person, the God who is making those promises, the character making those promises to us that we can believe. And we can get to understand his character through his words, through reading God's word, these great stories of old, the stories of Jesus here on earth. And there's another great way of listening to people's stories, their, their testimonies, whether it's written in a book, so in a, a kind of a biography of someone's life, or whether it's one-to-one as we, as we kind of go in life, as we journey in life together. And it's wonderful. We have baptisms, we have people come out and they give their testimony, how I became a Christian type thing. And we want to have more people just sharing, we had a few last week, what God has done in their life. That here and now testimony of God's goodness towards them. We want to have more of that happening amongst us. And our Emmanuel communities, our small groups, when we gather together week by week, are a great way for that to happen. When you get to make friends and build relationships and hear people's stories and give testimonies to what God has done. Just this week, our MCOM, we had a fantastic couple of fantastic testimonies of how God has touched people, how God has done things in people's lives, and it raises our faith and expectation for more. So I want to encourage you, if you're not involved in an MCOM, please have a chat to me and I can service you with that. The third thing to help growing our faith is to understand that Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. In this story, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So in this account by Mark, this leper comes to Jesus, believing that he can be made clean by him, believing that he can be healed. But he questions Jesus' willingness, if you're willing. And Jesus indignantly responds to that. And there's various ways of understanding of why he was so indignant. It may be down to his indignation of how sin 
or how the world can damage a person, a body and the healing that was required and the leprosy this person had. It could be that he was indignant over. But some commentators feel it might be he's indignant over the man questioning whether he was willing. Because he'd built a character of being willing to act in these situations. And in this case, he puts out his hand, crosses social and religious barriers and brings healing to this man. I believe that God is far more willing to bless than we really give him credit for. The issue is not about the willingness of God, but it's more sometimes about our thirst, our hunger for him to do and for act and asking him for more. We need to learn to become more hungry and more thirsty after this God. I was struck last week how Mark DuPont described the difference between, between being pursued by God and us pursuing him. Us going after God. Us, us pushing into him, pressing into him for the more that he has for us. He is willing, but sometimes for our sake, he may hold things back from us. We've heard the stories about the young uh, millionaire, perhaps a footballer, who goes out and buys a supercar and the next day he wraps it round a lamppost. He's not experienced, he can't handle the power of the car, hasn't had the training. He may have the money, but he can't handle the power. And we can sometimes maybe feel as we're pursuing God for something, we're not getting those answers we want. We can sometimes feel frustrated. We're wanting that next step. But maybe in God's wisdom, he's just allowing us to come after him. He's allowing us to change in the process of seeking after him. He's maturing us through that process. We can often get into the sense of, I'm asking God for something but not getting it, so I must do more. Um, I I, I must work to receive God's grace. There's there's a danger that we can end up with a works-based religion. We're fine about, yes, we're saved by grace, but when we get into life, as we're seeking after God, nothing's happening, right, I've got to do more work, I've got to do more stuff. I've got to do this and, and get better and... Be a better person. When we go into law, we leave grace behind. We forget that we have a loving Father who is willing to do for us, who is willing to act. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when we might be called to fast, we might be called to extended times of prayer or other spiritual disciplines. But it's the attitude we have in these cases that is so important. In waiting upon God for a breakthrough, it's such an important time of preparation for us. As we're pressing into God for something, as we're seeking him, to keep going after him. With perseverance, God is doing something in that moment. Our friends at the Regions Beyond Church in Edinburgh 
talk about living in the leap. And it's that sense of, even as you've made that jump of faith, you're living in that all the time. Keep pressing in to more. And while you're living in that leap, God is at work in you. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are seeking our for God for things, if you're pressing into him, he is willing. He is hearing you. He is understanding you. Keep pressing in and be encouraged for what he is doing. Yes, he is willing. Faith is also an active word. Uh, James uh, says this in chapter 2. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead as the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. It's no value just sitting there cross-armed, believing someone can be healed. We have to actually take that step of faith. We have to add action to our faith. And faith is often described as a muscle, that we need to exercise it. We need to strengthen it, to train it, to make it larger. Now, our son is a, um, is a power lifter, as I've described himself. A power lifter, he goes to the gym most days, and he trains to, to break muscle fibres and then to feed them up. He eats, he eats out of house and home because he wants protein and all that kind of stuff. But he... He has a regime. He does certain sets of a certain amount and it's programmed out as he intentionally trains and stretches those muscles. We too have opportunities to stretch those muscles, to train our muscle of faith. So I want to encourage you to step out in those small nudges that you might have. It's so easy in life. You, a thought comes to your mind why don't you text so-and-so? Oh, and you just dismiss it. Actually, that, could that be the Holy Spirit just prompting you to contact someone and say hi or how are you? Just this week, one of the testimonies at MCOM was of someone who was woken up in the middle of the night and felt God say to them, pray for this person. So they spent an hour a night praying, not knowing what the situation was. And then just hearing a few days later that person was in serious, serious trouble in that moment as she was praying for them. So just be sensitive. If, if you feel Holy Spirit is nudging things um, to text someone, to pray for someone, just respond to that. It's, those, it's the, first, <laughs> the first step to getting those muscles of faith, just working hard to extend that. And finally, I said I was going to give you a, an example of Abraham's um, story. Abraham's a person in the Bible, in Romans 4, that's, who's described as the father of faith. So let me, as we finish, let's take a look at him. He's listed in Hebrews 11, this uh, list of the great faithful hall, um, hall of fame of the faithful. And when we, but when we review his story, well, he's not always so great. And yet he is credited for lots of things. He became a wealthy man. He prospered in battles. He had the promises of God over him. 
but he had a wife who was unable to conceive. He received these great promises from God to be the father of nations, with as many descendants as stars in the heavens or sand on the seashore. Twice in his life he, he lied to a king to protect his wife. He said he was my sister, but to protect her. And she was nearly taken by this powerful king. But when he didn't see the promises coming to fruition in the natural way with his wife, at the age of 85, he decides to take things into his own hands and sleep with his servant, Hagar. And she gave birth to Ishmael. And his descendants have been in opposition to Abraham's descendants ever since, as was told at his birth. But his ultimate test, which he did pass, was God calling him to sacrifice his own and only son of promise, Isaac. And this is intensely portrayed by Caravaggio in this image. And the story as it unfolds in Genesis 22 is that, and listen to some of these words that are used here, on the third day of their travel, they arrived at Mount Moriah. Isaac was made to carry the wood of the sacrifice up on his back for the offering. And then as Abraham raises the dagger, just in this moment here, raise the dagger to kill his bound son, to offer as a sacrifice to God. God in that moment intervened and provided a ram for the sacrifice instead. And the people celebrated that test of faith by Abraham. And this site on Mount Moriah was developed over the centuries and became known as Mount Zion at the heart of what we now know as Jerusalem. And if we fast forward hundreds of years later, another son also carried up wood on his back up a mountain within sight of Mount Moriah. That's Mount Calvary. He was jeered by the crowds as he did this. He had already been beaten. He had already been scorned and shamed. This son, once again, believing in his father, having faith in his father, that the father knew what he was doing. But he also knew there was no ram to stand in place for his death. But rather he was to be the lamb of God, ready to be slaughtered. And quite unjustly, as he had done nothing wrong, but he was willing to take on that father's plan, the father's plan to rescue humanity from ourselves to rescue humanity from the sin that we have got ourselves into. And he took on the punishment that we deserve. He took our place, just as the ram took the place there of Isaac. 
His name is Jesus. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He was the first one. He was one to open it all up. He is our pioneer. He is the one who has made a way. He is the hero of all of our stories. He is the answer to all our problems. He is the captain of our souls. And friends, he is willing. He is willing. What if we could stand? I want to give opportunity for people this morning who have who would say they, they, they don't know Jesus that well perhaps they're just beginning to learn about the Christian story those baby steps taking place let's allow a moment for the Holy Spirit to speak to you to help you decide what to do next with this man, Jesus, who death and resurrection was foreshadowed hundreds and hundreds of years previously. To set into yourself all those promises that he has for you this morning. To recognise that yes, God is willing, he is calling you out in this time. everyone else I'm just going to say a prayer and I'm just going to say it line by line I'd love it if you could just join with me after I've said it and and pray join me in this prayer Lord Jesus I believe help me in my unbelief I want to be someone who pleases God more. Motivated by who you are. Not motivated by who I am. I want to understand more your character. And I want to grasp afresh your willingness. for your glory King Jesus I just want to hone in just as people are praying if you feel this morning that you have not felt God is willing if you felt you've been battling for things and it's become hard it's become disheartened and you've just got to that question of well are you willing I want if you just, while the people are praying, I just want to raise your hand. I want to pray for you and in particular. Just raise your hand now so I can see. If you're just struggling 
with the understanding and appreciating the willingness of God. Thank you. Thank you. So Father, for those people who have raised their hands, you know them and I guess there are others here who struggle with this and we ask Holy Spirit by your power this morning that you will speak deeply into their hearts. Lord, as they as they read your scriptures, they see how willing you are to act, how, how quick you are to act, even sometimes before we have even asked. And Holy Spirit, we ask that today a lifting off in the name of Jesus, a lifting off a burden of people of carrying of that sense of having to work for something. We lift it off in the name of Jesus. And we pray a lightness of your touch. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light, you said. And I pray that come upon people, Lord, and they sense your great willingness, increasing willingness to see you work in power. In Jesus' name, amen.